It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main website. ClarkDeals.com is where you go to save money each and every day. Coming up later in today's Clark Rageous Moment, Wells Fargo is in the news again. You're not going to believe the shenanigans that they're up to, really hideous. Telling you, if you continue to do business with Wells Fargo, you put yourself in harm's way. And coming up later, there's new news for you in streaming products. Uh, One that's been behind a paywall is going partially free. I want to tell you the trend that is your friend with streaming services. And I wanted to talk about something that Target and Walmart are doing in the month of September that is a really helpful thing. So it's something that Target started years ago, and in fact, it starts today, and it's good through September 13th. It's where you get a 20% off coupon for baby gear in return for bringing in an old car seat. There's a big need for people to have car seats that are up to date, that are not used and beaten up to protect your kids. And so Target historically has had a trade-in event, and it's during, did you know there was such a thing? There's a day or month or week for everything. Did you know that September is National Baby Safety Month? I had no idea. So anyway, it is. And so that's why Target is doing their thing. And then as soon as Target sends, on September 16th, Walmart is doing a car seat recycling event. And it's good till the end of September. And what you get for trading in a used car seat is a $30 gift card that can be used on anything in a store or at walmart.com. So uh, the idea is to make sure that your kids are safe. And I should announce at this time that producer Joel is, you look so good for being a, a dad for the third time well thank you very much thank you thank you yeah i mean you've really taken care of yourself through this pregnancy <laughs> so you uh you excited to have another baby oh man so excited yeah it's any day now literally it's uh we we have no idea it could happen tonight um and we're very very excited we've got two girls and this will be our first boy so family of three it's gonna gonna get a little crazy around around our house but it should be a lot of fun and this boy you've named Lois Price? <laughs> That's up. It's in the running. Okay. We haven't fully decided yet. Oh, you don't have a name yet? We kind of, we're, we're leaning towards something right now, but I won't announce publicly until we've finally named him. Yeah, because if I had a fourth child, I guess I'd name maybe Bargain Basement, Lois <laughs> Price, something like that. No, Your wife would love you for that. Yeah, she really would not. Christina's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Christina. Hi. How are you doing? Good, thank you. How are you? Great, thank you. So you're a home seller right now. I'm getting close to it. So um, how's that going? What it, 
Um, just trying to get all the stuff ready, you know, painting and all that kind of fun stuff done before putting it on the market. So and moving stuff out. So. Well, how can I be of service with selling your home? So my question to you actually was that um, I bought my house um, about six years ago and I bought a foreclosure and through the help of my dad, we did quite a bit of work and um, fixed it up quite a bit. And um, so I've had it for just about six years. And in the area I live in, too, there's been a pretty substantial um, flux of increase of value of properties. And so I'm going to have quite a bit of equity. I'm going to walk away from it. With. Yeah, I mean, buying a home in 2013, you're selling today, particularly when it was a fixer-upper that you fixed up, you're going to do great. Yeah, kind of, I'm kind of sad to sell it a little bit because of that. But, you know, time to move on. <laughs> so my question for you was... Um, what do I do with that money? I was thinking about putting in a mutual fund and then maybe taking the interest yearly to put in towards the Roth or I don't know whether options would be a good option with um, the amount of money that I'll have coming from that house sale. What kind of net profit are you expecting? And remember your expenses fixing it up subtract from what would be the net profit. Um, I'd say I'm guessing by the time I even figure it out on my spreadsheet, by the time I take the realtor's fees, I'm, Guessing 50 to 60, somewhere in there probably. Fantastic. Okay, so uh, you mentioned a Roth. Are you doing a Roth already? Um, so if you're my employer right now, I have a pension, and I do pay into a 403B. I do have a traditional and a Roth IRA set up as well, but I just put some money in here and there if I've had a little extra money, but I'm not like consistent with any of those. All right, so there's an opportunity for you to do that where – if you were to put in six grand this year, if the house closes this year, you put in six grand and have a fully funded 2019 Roth, you can do a 2020, another six grand. So we'll soak up a decent amount of the money almost immediately in just a couple of months. And so doing a Roth is so valuable to you because that money grows tax-free all along. And the advantage of a Roth over the 403B you have from your employer is that 403Bs usually have massive management expenses involved with them that you don't necessarily have with a Roth IRA. So the Roth IRA, fully funding it is a higher priority than funding that 403B that you have. There's no match on that 403B, is there? Um, yes. Yeah. So I put in, I put in 4% to get 2% match. Okay. So that's worth doing. You'd want to keep doing that 50 cents on the dollar for the first 4%. You definitely want to do that. Anything beyond that, you want to do the Roth and build okay. up money in it. And so uh, with the amount of money you have coming to you from this sale, I mean, you could have enough money to fully fund a Roth year after year after year for the next decade. Yep. What other things, now, though, are you hoping to accomplish financially? Because I don't want to keep it as narrow as just putting money in retirement accounts. Um, I have some other debts, but I fear I can probably trip all those off in the next year, so I wasn't even worried about taking the house money for that, because I just didn't know where where to park the money, you know, in the uh, meantime, my savings account. <laughs> yeah. So you can do an online savings account, which the interest rates on those have been falling as the economy has slowed down, but you can still earn two plus percent 
on savings. You could even lock in if you had money you didn't feel like you were going to need for the next year. You could buy a one-year CD from an online bank and earn about two, close to 2.5% on the money and just park it that way. And you could even now, is that split a better, Okay. Is that a better option than putting it in like a mutual fund? Because I will be contributing some extra money to it. I see here, you know, every every month or so too, I'm probably going to try to keep building up like that. Yeah. So, that cash so that's why the Roth is, the Roth is the first priority because the okay. Roth, you put it into, into a fund typically in the Roth, but the advantage of it over a mutual fund is the money grows tax free and you spend it tax free. Where if you go oh, into okay. a regular mutual fund account, you have to pay tax on the gains that it has and depending on the type of fund you go into, you may even have a tax bill each year. Oh, okay. So I would like <laughs> you. I would like you after we hang up, go look at my uh, investment guide to low cost investments and read what my briefing on a Roth. And what I would do is I would set yourself up to fund that Roth year after year, and in the meantime, do just what you mentioned to me—the idea of stashing the cash in a savings account or the alternative I mentioned, one-year CD. And the online bank's completely different than going to a traditional bank in that you'll usually earn maybe 40 times on your money what you would earn in a traditional bank. Oh, wow. So that's why you go with an online bank. And uh, if you go to bankrate.com and look at best savings rates and best CD rates, you'll know where you should go to open those online accounts, which are fully FDIC insured. David's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, David. Hi, Clark. How are you doing today? Great. Thank you, David. So you got a question for me about Google Fi. I read your review. Uh Uh-oh. Whatever cell phone service you're on right now is not very good because I heard you... Uh, spit out a couple of words and then you vanished on me. Are you there? Yeah, I'll s- slower. Uh, <laughs> service I'm using right now does not work well inside the house. That you can see. All you know. So how is your switch. life? How is your life on the International Space Station? Because it sounds like you're calling from there, David. I'm going to put you on hold. We're going to see if we can we can get a better line for you and uh, get your full question out for me we're going to talk with melissa while we're waiting to get your good phone line melissa glad to have you here on the clark howard show hi clark thanks for taking my call certainly melissa how can i be of service i am trying to get my son who's 11 to quit spending his money quicker than it's even reached his hands practically and start saving I'm looking at ways to invest for him and to encourage him to do that because he's not real excited about the idea. Um, I agreed to match his contributions every month. And then you get a kid more excited about it, don't you? Well, he's still reluctant, but I'm hoping once he sees the money growing that he will get excited and that will encourage him to save more over his lifetime. Well, I love what you're doing because, you know, this has been my thing for a long, long time with my kids. As soon as they were old enough to work, um, I offered the daddy match 
where mm-hmm. every dollar they didn't spend, I matched with a dollar into a Roth IRA. Love it. And so uh, I have, you know, every kid's wired the way he or she's going to be wired. And so sometimes, no matter what, you won't be able to motivate a kid to become a saver, to live on less than he or she makes. And in your case, with your 11-year-old son, it sounds like there's going to be a bit of work to create (laughs) a savings environment. I have the same thing with my 14-year-old son. He's not into saving. He's, He's already figured out what he'd spend the next dollar on before he's ever gotten that dollar. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, and I can tell you, three kids growing up in the same household, they're all different about money. Isn't that funny? So, if you want to do this kind of thing, um, is he doing any work at all, or is this money from allowances and things like that? It's money from allowances. He's only 11, so he gets money from his grandmothers, but mostly it's you know, he does chores every week and we pay him a small allowance. So it's not a lot of money. Well, but you can go to uh, one of the big investment houses and open an account for a kid. Like uh, Charles Schwab and Fidelity Investments allow you to open a kid's account, investment account with like no money. I think oh, it's $100 okay. at Schwab and zero at Fidelity. Okay. And they've got offices all over the place. So you can take them in to one of the investor centers, and he can be there as part of the process of opening an account. That makes it a lot more real. Sure. And then you can let him, even if he makes bad choices, let him decide what to invest it in. A lot of times a kid will want to put it into a company that's familiar to him. Okay. But it would be a better idea if it went into a straight index fund. Now, I've heard you talk about the... Fidelity Zero Index, is that what you would Yeah, Fidelity Zero would be a great choice. Fidelity Zero okay. Total Stock Market Fund would be perfect because there's no minimum, no fees, and he would be suddenly an investor in thousands of companies. Okay. He would be a true capitalist at that point, and with your match available, there would be a direct incentive for him to not spend that money he gets from the grandmothers and put it instead into work for himself. Return on investment sometimes can be a big motivator. Today's Clark Rages moment is another in a long series of Clark Rages involving Wells Fargo, the criminal enterprise impersonating a bank. Wells Fargo has been a disaster as an operation as they've engaged in massive frauds over the years, taking advantage of millions of their customers in so many different ways, account holders, uh, mortgage borrowers, auto loan borrowers, and Wells Fargo continues to be under a cloud with a tight federal collar on restricting their growth and what lines of business they can be in. Well, this is a whole new chapter that was in The American Banker, and it's about a pastor, Reverend Edwards, who is a United Methodist Church pastor, has been for the last 30 years. Wells Fargo mistakenly had the pastor arrested for supposedly committing check fraud. The suspect turned out to be a 20-year-old woman. Now, how do you mistake an older 
minister for a 20-year-old woman. They did. Wells Fargo ended up uh, in a situation where the pastor was charged criminally, had to hire legal defense, ended up with reputational harm and a lot of expenses before the charges were dropped. Wells Fargo now refuses to pay any of his legal expenses, invoked an arbitration clause, will not respond to the media, and says they did apologize, but they've left him high and dry. And this is despicable conduct. This is a company that says it's a new organization that's learned its lessons. Obviously, they need to go back to school. They need some remedial training. This is not how you treat people. Show people decency and respect, Wells Fargo. Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. I want to talk to you about the continuing trend in streaming as the industry goes through a massive shakeout period, and I've shared with you the the Disney stuff and everything Disney's doing to try to sign up many tens of millions of people to their streaming service that launches in November. And we're getting to a point where there's going to be significant shifting with players coming in with streaming who own a lot of their own content, coming in and squeezing out organizations that don't have a lot of their own content. That's why you have various companies selling streaming that are spending billions on original programming. Apple has gotten into this. Amazon, of course, um, Netflix with original shows. They figured this out first. Uh, YouTube doing original shows. And YouTube's an interesting kind of picture because YouTube has uh, various services under the YouTube umbrella. And some of them, like the cat videos, obviously are all free. And then there are uh, various subscription services. YouTube TV, which is the most popular of the TV streaming services for traditional cable channels. And they've taken by far the most market share And then they have their own original content as well. So they are now experimenting with a system where you can either go where you pay a monthly fee for original programming or you get it free with watching ads. And you're going to see more and more available in terms of streaming products that are going to be ad-supported, no monthly fee. Because people are only going to be willing to pay so many monthly subscriptions. And there's going to be a squeeze play. There are going to be organizations that get squeezed out of it if they stick to a paid monthly subscription model. And so you're going to see a variety of moves like, think about Hulu for years has given people the choice Uh, paying so much with commercials, so much more without commercials, and you're going to see this kind of thing where you get to pick and choose based on what your pain points are, whether your pain points 
or in your wallet or with your eyes, and you'll decide. Speaking of eyes, YouTube has a lot of kids that consume content there, and Google is having to pay, according to published reports, $200 million in fines for invading the privacy of children watching children's content. And this is ridiculous that uh, that an FTC investigation found that YouTube was collecting data on young children. And this is this is Google that owns this. There's no there's no explanation that would make sense. There's no excuse for this. And I just don't know that $200 million for a company the size of Google is any deterrence at all in terms of getting them to change their behavior. But I hope just because it's the right thing to do that Google stops spying on children using its services. David's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, David. Hi, Clark. It's an honor speaking with you today. Well, great to have uh, you here, and we're going to talk about another Google service, aren't we? Yes, we are. Tell me. Uh, well, I'm I'm on a major carrier, but it's on the all I can say is inside the house it does not work too well, and never has. And uh, even though we're pretty close to the cell cell tower, so I was thinking about switching to Google Fi. And I know you did a great review on it. I just want to know if there's any downside to switching to Google Fi that you can think of. The only downside with Google Fi is if you're a heavy consumer of data where you would normally max out every month, you end up with a monthly bill. Remind me, is it 80 a month? Right. Is where it caps. So if you are a massive consumer of data, the 80 puts you above the various discount choices in the market. Right. But if you use a more limited amount of data, is you pay only metered for what you use till you hit that $80 cap, most people end up with a monthly bill somewhere in the 30s. Well, that's great. And that's not what I'm paying right now. I'm well, paying 35 plus tax, 37.50. And the coverage with Google Fi is excellent. You know, uh, right. pe- people uh, seem who try it and use it seem to really like both the bills and the quality of the coverage, especially if you travel at all internationally. Google Fi is the best choice out there. Well, that's good news. I do have one question. Sure. So if you're inside the house, it, if you have Wi-Fi, it will switch the Wi-Fi calling automatically? Yes. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, so okay. the whole idea of Google Fi is that 80% of the time, we're on trusted Wi-Fi, typically at home or at work. Right. And so it works off the backbone of the Wi-Fi you have where we spend most of our time, which is home or work, and then only buys capacity from multiple cell phone carriers when you're away from your home. Right. And so, the only thing I saw was the only downside might be the phone might be a little bit pricier. Where if you get a, a prepaid no you know no contract phone, you can get one for like thirty nine. This would run you maybe ninety nine or one hundred and forty nine dollars or something like that. Oh, and you can run it way up on Google Fi because right. you can go with the latest greatest phones, 
and pay a ton of money for a phone. Right. A lot of people have tried Google Fi and dumped it, and then they have a phone they don't want anymore. And so on eBay, a lot of times you'll find used phones that are eligible to be activated on Google Fi and get a real deal on them on eBay. Well, it sounds like great news to me. Thank you. Sure. I returned from the International Space Station. Oh, you you were our caller from earlier. I couldn't hear at yes. all. Oh, that's funny. I've descended. And how did you deal with the G-forces when you flew up to the International Pretty Space Station? Pretty good. Pretty good. We're, we're experiencing hurricane winds here right now, but or tropical storm winds, but not too bad. Oh, I don't know if you saw the picture of Hurricane Dorian from the International Space Station, but you see how massive this storm yeah. is from that photo. Have you seen that one? Yeah, I have. And I feel sorry for the people, you know, the Bahamas, and hopefully we can give them some good relief too. Yeah, the what happened in the Bahamas, we don't even fully know yet because communications are down, and I'm worried that the death toll may rise significantly from the storm surge they suffered, the high winds, the very heavy rains, and you know, the the destructiveness of storms is something that until you've experienced one, you really don't get it. But um, it it is a shocking sight having been in areas after major hurricanes. And um, wow, you don't mess with them at all. Tammy's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Tammy. How are you doing? I'm fine. How are you? Great. Thank you, Tammy. How can I be of um, service to you today? I've, I've been listening to you for, for a long time, and you were right on spot at the last recession. And I wish I had told my house right before that one. So now we're getting it fixed after Hurricane Florence, and I'm wanting to sell it. But I want to make sure I do it before the next recession. When do you think that's going to be? Well, if I knew when the recession was actually going to be, (laughs) I would be the richest human on earth. I mean, forget Warren Uh, Buffett. I would be so far past him So or Bezos. So the thing is, there are only guesses about this kind of thing. And if you look at where the markets are pricing it in, it's about a one in three chance that the economic difficulties we're having right now will lead to a recession. You know, there are lots of times that we'll have a slowdown in the economy where let's say Mm -hmm. it goes from fifth gear to fourth or third or something like that, but it doesn't mean going into reverse. So we're in the the phase right now where we've been in fifth gear for a while. I mean, really most of the last nine years we've been in fifth gear. There have been some times Mm -hmm. that we've downshifted. Like there was a time in 2015 where it looked like we might be headed into another recession, and instead all it was was a downshift. And so this time, it likely could be that. Um, But recessions are inevitable, and don't take the wrong lesson from the last one, okay? Mm -hmm. Because there were unique factors in the Great Recession that caused all the problems with real estate values and the massive unemployment and all that, because when recessions come out of banking scandals, they're far more severe and harder to cure 
than a regular, normal, what's called demand-based recession. So Mm -hmm. don't worry that if we do tip into recession, it's not going to mean that the home you are fixing up and you want to sell is suddenly going to collapse in value if you don't sell it before a recession might happen. Okay. So you can't you can't um, make your plans on that kind of idea. I mean, the okay. the time to sell your home is when you're ready to sell it, and it sounded like what you said is you're ready to be done with this home. Right. So if that's the case, then is there a pattern where you live? What months are generally the best to market a house for sale? Well. I'm in the Wilmington, North Carolina area, and um, I'm actually over the real estate. And right now, Wilmington, North Carolina, it's high demand because they don't have very many properties. So So, I would say as soon as your house is dressed up and ready for the market, is you're so done with that house. I mean, it's just clear you're done with it. As soon as you've got it ready, go ahead and start interviewing agents and figure out who you want to list with, or if you decide after interviewing agents you want to try to sell it yourself, then get going with it. Because you asked me a question specifically about the economy, but your situation doesn't really trend with worrying about the economy yours is about the fact that you're you're so over that place you want to drive away from it and never have to be there again correct so that's a motivation it's a motivation for you to get it dressed and ready to go and that's what i would be doing so if the market demand is strong in wilmington north carolina take advantage of that and besides one of the effects of the economy slowing is the mortgage rates for the buyer are so much better than they'd been. And so they have an extra motivation to want to buy your home. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Gene joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Gene, you're headed to Europe? Yes, we do. We are uh, booking a uh, airline ticket in for Europe for 12 to 13 days, and uh, we would love to uh, get some idea how to book a hotel in uh, Europe, pretty much in Prague, uh, Vienna, Austria, and Berlin. And before I, uh, you know, listen to you say, I really just want to say I appreciate all your 
you have done for the consumers, especially especially like ordinary people like us. We have been listening to your show since late 80s. Wow. We really learned a lot from you over the years, and you are just wonderful. Well, you are uh, really <laughs> kind to say that. And, and so if you've been listening to me since the late 80s, you know, late my, obs- you know yes, my obsession you with travel. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, oh, by all means. You came to Raleigh area, North Carolina, and we actually met briefly at the Barnes Noble bookstore. That was a long, long time ago. That's funny. I was my son and I were in Arizona this past weekend, and mm-hmm. we drove right by where I had a book signing at, that was also a Barnes Noble. And mm-hmm. I said I had a book signing over there several years ago, and and he said, "What do you remember about it?" I said, "I remember nothing because every bookstore looks the same the when same. you're doing yes. a book signing." But so, we have never forgot about you. We've been loyal listening, especially me. I'm well, just a loyal listener. I learned so much from you. You just don't know how to, um, how to. You just don't know how much we appreciate. Well, you're very <laughs> kind. So let me review. You said Berlin, Prague, and uh, Berlin, Vienna, Prague right? And a Vienna, correct? Okay. With so the great days. news, the mm-hmm. euro has dropped so much in value, which means mm-hmm. that the price of everything you do. Mm-hmm. while you're in Europe, is going to be much cheaper. Not Wonderful. good for the Europeans, great for you going over. <laughs> and great. what months are you going to be in Europe? Actually, end of this month. Okay, so this is a time that tourism travel really declines. Uh, okay. Business travel picks up, but because of the recession that a lot of Europe is in, hotel mm-hmm. rates are far more favorable than they've been. And and I Mm -hmm. want to tell you about using Booking.com as a primary source because they're so dominant in Europe for hotel bookings. And the other thing I'll tell you is that Mm -hmm. I use Priceline in Europe uh, virtually Mm -hmm. every trip I ever take to Europe. Well, I use Priceline all the time, but especially I've found Mm -hmm. that it's been extremely helpful to me in Europe, okay. getting deals. And what you do is you only look mm-hmm. on Priceline at four and five star hotels okay, with an approval rating from uh, Priceline mm-hmm. customers of 80% or higher. 80% or higher, and okay. you'll likely get a great deal. And right now it'd be common that you'll be able to get very high-end hotels for under mm-hmm. $100 a night. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So Wonderful. I have a guide on Clark.com that walks you through how to use Priceline to save money on those hotels. And the irony is that Booking.com and Priceline are both the same company. Booking.com is all about you booking a hotel where they tell you the name of the hotel. Priceline is about booking a hotel where you don't know till after you pay non-refundable where you're going to stay, but if you stick to those four- and five-star hotels with 80% or above approval, you should always have a great place to stay. Have fun. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.